we have some follow-up items. So last time I picked a game for the picks of the week. Do we call the segment pick of the week? No, things of the week. Why do I write picks? Um, so for our things of the week segment, I picked a game called Grindstone. And I think one of our next like, small problem with this game was that um, when you start playing it, it hijacks all of the audio on the on the phone. So if you want to listen to a podcast at the same time as playing this game, you couldn't do that. I mean, there's a workaround to there are a lot of apps. Yeah, there was a workaround. Yeah, you can just if you have an Apple Watch and wear an Apple Watch, you can play the podcast on the Apple Watch after starting the game. Or any other Bluetooth-connected uh, device that could start and stop audio, like AirPods. Yeah, like AirPods. Yeah, so you could do that. And I think we, we mentioned this in the podcast, and but it's a, it's a bit... It was something that was a little bit annoying, but Grindstone has released an update since. I think it was like the day after we recorded, they released an update. And now you can play any other audio at the same time as you're playing the game, so it won't hijack the audio. Woohoo! Just want to say that, and I really appreciate that. If any grindstone developers are listening, uh, thank you. It's great. <laughs> um, I also have a quick follow-up item uh, talking about um, the AirPods and the Apple Watch and how great they would be in water uh, if they would all be waterproof. But obviously, Bluetooth with two point four gigahertz probably wouldn't work uh, too well in water like if you actually have your hands underwater as you're swimming mm-hmm. I, I i don't think that would actually work at all so retract that as a thing that would be cool yeah but i think that's where something like the u1 chip comes in so if they would put u1 chips in the airpods yeah in all the devices yeah no you I could have it in your phone you have the phone on the side of the pool and then you listen to headphones um connected through the u1 chip and then you can listen to music underwater. All right. I mean, underwater. Yeah, probably. Right? Mm. Because you. I still um, haven't gotten past the whole, like, how are they not going to fall out in the pool? I'm not <laughs> so optimistic about that. Yeah, that is, that is <laughs> a whole different <laughs> issue. I we're, feel like we're that's solving the big we're, we're, one here. We're solving the technical we're problem. We're solving physics and yeah. you, you make you're them just sick looking, in your... Yeah, you're just, just looking at human problems. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> product for humans? I, I yeah. almost feel like the Beats, uh, the, the wireless Beats... Uh, over ear one, you know the ones like clip around your ear, power beats. That's the one. Um, <laughs> the power the full, beats would uh, be better studio. suited to swimming. But I don't know. I want, yeah. just... I want to see people swimming with like the the big studio style over over ear headphones. <sighs> I think that they wouldn't fall that... off. Might not yeah, make, make yeah. it through I, the swim. I think but... that would be a thing. I don't know. It sort of adds some resistance to your swim. I guess it depends on what your focus is when you're swimming. If you want to have like a, high, keep, a, a new record. Your head keeps like going down towards the bottom of the pool. <laughs> can't lift it back up. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to work out your neck, you know, oh, that is that is the way to go. Mm. Cool. Um, cool. Let's move on. Very useful uh, follow-up. Yeah. And I'm sure we said another 12 stupid things now. So that provides content for next episode. <laughs> Well, speaking of AirPods, I I found something out this morning that doesn't make me too happy. Uh, <laughs> I was so I am running the iOS thirteen point two beta on my my iPhone, and because you didn't suffer enough already. Correct. Actually, thirteen point two is pretty good. But that aside, I was thinking, oh, wouldn't it be cool to try out the new announce messages feature that the AirPods can do? Because my Apple Watch was upstairs charging and I was in the kitchen. And I was like, well, it saves me having to check my phone. What is this feature? It's Do you tell it to read the messages for you? Yes. So, okay. I don't actually know how it works because it turns out that it's not <laughs> supported by the original AirPods. Mm. It needs mm. some chip that the new AirPods have that mine don't. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Do either of you know why this would be? Because wouldn't it just be like, I mean, 
you hear if you have notification sounds on, you hear those through the AirPods. So what's the difference here? Isn't it just making some noise? So what is this? You you basically want to ask Siri through your AirPods um, what the incoming message was? You don't ask Siri. It does it automatically is my understanding. So I haven't oh. used it, but I imagine it would be something like, oh, new message from Marlon says mm. da, da 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 when you're playing other audio, but you get a text at the same time oh. and you have so, AirPods. I mean, the difference between the AirPods 1 and 2 is... That they move from the W1 chip to the H1 chip, right? Yes. Yeah, that's uh, what's required. The H1 is Bluetooth 5.0. So, I don't know if they're doing some kind of... I mean, in general, the switching is a lot quicker. So, if it might just be weird latency-related things. Like, that just... It would obviously mm. work that they gender, uh, generate some, some audio file that they then play on your AirPods, but you might have a weird delay that might be... Yeah, okay. uh, interesting. Odd. Yeah. Anyway, I was just curious. But. Right, because the entire hey, hey, ding dong thing also only works on, on the new ones. And if you do it yes. on your old ones with the double tap, for example, it takes quite some time until it kicks in. So there's definitely yes. some kind of mode change when it goes to like the microphone on mode, which mm-hmm. doesn't happen on the new ones. So it, I, it might be related to those those things. I mean, they wouldn't. Because they would want to prime your microphone too, because you can then directly respond to that message as well. Oh, is that what it is for? Mm, okay, that makes yeah, sense. That's a good so point. it's not actually a limitation in the like in, in reading the message itself. It's a limitation. Mm. In it might just be overall that the experience isn't as good, right? Because mm. you have multiple downsides. Like the response would be weird. It would drop the audio quality uh, yeah, yeah. because it would have to go to the uh, like two way uh, protocol mm. to to get voice in. And, and audio out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it might just be a combination of those factors to, to not make it worth it because the experience would be so degraded. Okay, that makes sense. So just on that, does this also mean that with the new AirPods, you don't get that weird thing where the audio uh, is worse quality when the microphone's on? That's, that's right, yeah. Um, ah, I hadn't considered that because I've been bugged lately by every time I open the simulator on macOS and my AirPods are connected, my my audio quality goes right down and I have to go to settings I mean, you and still, change my input. You, you, still, you still, I mean, they're still using a different protocol for like if you, if you would use it as a recording device, for example, you would still fold, I forget what the protocol is called, but you would still get worse quality. It's just ah, okay. not happening that there's a weird, I've not had the issue where I listen to something that is just normal audio and then for some reason the 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 headphones going into the different into the different mode and then the quality are degrading but it would still switch protocols if it goes to to voice recording for example okay gotcha. i don't know right. no it's good to know just got to spend the $200 buy a new pair and then tell us whether it fixes your issue well yeah i mean that's the thing if these new ones come out i presume they'd have an an h1 or an h2 chip or something like that so it would be supported i don't think i'll buy i mean as much as i'd like to buy new airpods i don't think it would make sense just for this feature but it'll be cool eventually when there are new airpods um mm. one more it's not a complaint because it's my own fault but my phone screen <laughs> I mean, is now scratched you can complain about yourself yeah <laughs> So, <laughs> I have a bad scratch on my phone. It's bad by my standards. It's like a centimeter long. And it's not one of those, like, it's not one of the, like, it's not one of those scratches where you wouldn't feel it. If you run your finger over this, you feel it. Um, I made the mistake of putting my phone face down on my desk at oh, work geez. the other day. 
And I didn't think anything of it, but I picked it up and it was not good. So I don't know what has scratched it, but something on my desk scratched it. Well, you know what um, scratched it? Putting it face down on a table that you didn't <laughs> clean before. That's what scratched it. Yeah, that, but, yeah now, now I'm being very cautious to only put it like bottom up. But well, I'm not on happy. the flip side, yeah. now now you no longer have to worry. Your phone is ruined. Just just treat it like an object. And oh, I've dropped you know. it before. It's it's already been ruined. <laughs> the the side what has scratched. Make? I don't really care about the side uh. being scratched though. I, I well, mostly and care now about you the screen. No longer have to sca- Now you no longer have to care about the screen because okay. screen is ruined as well. See, I'm, I'm just I'm I feel I have a question about this, but I, I do <laughs> I do feel I, I feel pain for you, and I'm very sorry that you're in this situation because I know how bad it is to have something on your screen, especially when it's such a such a new phone. So I'm sorry to hear that. But how comes <laughs> people put their phone with the screen down? This is something I'm wondering. Is that to protect the camera bump because you don't want scratches on the camera or is it because you don't want to get interrupted and see notifications? Like I see so many people doing this. They just put the face down on the phone. What's the reason for this? It is to not be distracted, but that's not actually a valid reason when you have an Apple Watch connected because the screen never lights up. But it's just an old habit. But also... Also, the screen might light up, but nothing will be readable if you have uh, the, what is it called? There's this privacy setting so that the display won't show, it won't actually oh, show the messages, the messages unless yeah. you look at it. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's a, fair. Isn't that helpful then? Like that makes it less of a distraction. It's less, it's more about the not noticing that you've got a message or, or like, because if the screen lights up, you kind of like want to glance over and see what it is. It's it's completely irrational because the screen doesn't light up with an Apple Watch. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, it's just a habit that I was in for many years and still am obviously in. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. But no, it's also like a, almost a social cue now to indicate, yeah. look, I'm paying attention to my surroundings. But I always feel I like, so. might as well keep it in your pocket then. No, people take it out of the pocket because it's uncomfortable, right? But I feel like that is more likely to cause distraction than just not seeing the thing that... Like, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, but there must be a limitation in the pocket structure, and that's why they're taking the phone out. It's, it's the same way why people take the... Uh, many guys take their wallet out of their back pocket when they sit down. <laughs> it's not to show off... What it's not to night. show off that, you, that you're not looking at your wallet all the time. <laughs> it's to it's to be comfortable. And I think, okay. isn't that the reason behind the phone thing? Yeah, I, I prefer don't know. It's like, most things what, out of what? my pocket, but okay. like when I'm sitting at my desk for long periods of time. But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like if somebody's sitting at a table, and I don't just mean at a desk, but any any t- kind of table with their phone like mm. face up next to them, it kind of seems like they're waiting for something, like they're waiting for a message or an email or a notification of some sort. Um, oh, whereas, okay. yeah, yeah, there is that social aspect of like putting it down. It's like, I mean, it's still here. I could be distracted by it if I wanted to be, but it's kind of just, it's not like my priority right now. I'm not waiting for that mm-hmm. screen to light up. Um I don't know. Mm. It's but again, if you have an okay. Apple Watch, this is all out the window. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so now now I'm no longer going to pull my phone face down. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Sounds like a good lesson to learn for for next year's film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. This concludes the uh, social norms on a tech podcast segment. If you tuned in for that, uh, that's all we have for you this week. But <laughs> we'll be back with more of that next week. Mm. Should we talk about our Swift UI on macOS experience we've had over the last uh, 10 days? How long have we done this now for? Uh, uh, a couple of weeks, right? It feels surprisingly short for the amount of progress we made. I feel. Yeah, I, nice. I I do agree. I do agree. I mm. feel... Also, I don't know. I feel like my days are 
strange at the moment. I'm sort of restructuring my days to get the opportunity to be outside during the most warm hour throughout the day because it's getting winter. So I tend to take a break midday. You have and the Kai schedule. I have the Kai schedule. Mm. It's it's great. I really like it. Um, but that makes it feel like I get a lot more things done All throughout right. the day because it's like I'm working in the morning, then I'm doing stuff midday, then I'm still working in the evening. It's like three days in one day. It's amazing. Mm. Uh, and you just yeah. utilize the best time of the day for all the things that you're doing in the morning you want to it, it's kind of nice to start the day being productive right mm. so you get yeah, up and, first and thing then, you do is yeah. is like make a small change to the code base mm. push that uh, and you're already productive then you do some more then sun is coming out you go out do some sports get a coffee get back to work when mm. it's dark yeah maybe take a walk before just before sunset and then work another couple of hours when after sunset it's, yeah. it's great it's, it's really good i like it Mm. Uh, anyways, um, so that makes it hard to say how many days, but I think we started working on it about two weeks ago. Uh, so we have decided to start working on a new app. Um, it's a, at the moment, it is a time tracking app. Um, so if you are working as a freelancer or if you are billing people on a regular basis, or if you just want to track your time and see where it's all going, whether or not you're taking walks or whatever, whatever you're doing throughout your day, it's nice to track it. So we're making an app for time tracking. Didn't you just say you didn't know how long you'd spent on this? Well, the app wasn't done in the beginning of the period, right? Uh, and now yeah. I'm, I'm sort of getting to the part where I can use the time tracking. So next week when fair you point. tune in, <laughs> I can tell you exactly how I spent my time cool cool i'll be waiting for that report yeah so the core feature we wanted to have is idle detection that's kind of what we call it uh it's not not technically just idle but the idea is at least if if your brain works any way the way marlin's and mine works is you start your timer you work you work a lot and then you get up and do something else for for an hour you come back and you're like damn it i didn't actually work for seven hours on this task because you actually just forgot to stop the timer six hours ago. Um, Jeez, and that's how, super long, annoying. how long did you go for a coffee? Six hours, apparently. <laughs> I, I realized um, after I said it that that's a very long break, <laughs> but I'm, I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone should work whenever they think they're productive. Um, but it's really hard then to go back. I, let's go with a more realistic example. Even you, more you, realistic. You're done, for the, you're done with work for the day. You close your computer, you go home. And then you open it up in the morning and you see your timer has been running for 17 hours. You know, that kind of thing. Mm. It's pretty annoying because now you're trying to remember, wait, when did I actually leave the office or when did I leave, uh, uh, stop working? And it's hard to kind of uh, figure out, like then you start to investigate, you're going in this kind of uh, detective work where you're going through your emails and seeing what was the last email or the last yeah. thing I pushed or did I maybe get a confirmation when I tapped in on the train or trying to figure out, all right, what is at least ballpark? And then usually because you're a decent person, you want to reduce some time because you don't want to overbuild a client or, or whoever you, you're tracking for, right? And that's annoying. So our the core thing we wanted to build, apart from it being a decent app, was to detect when you're idle with the timer running. So what we, what we built is basically uh, if you're not using your computer, uh, we kind of monitor, like super simplified, we're, we're monitoring... Uh, when your computer goes to sleep or locks or or the screen dims and those kind of things in combination with when your last uh, input was on the machine. And then just when your computer wakes back up and the timer is still running, we show you an alert saying, hey, looks like you've been idle for for 12 hours. Do you want to keep that time or do you want to remove it? Mm. 
Yeah. While building that feature, it was really hard to keep track because I wanted for it to constantly mm. remove. So I ended up with um, <laughs> working on something all day, but only having tracked three hours. I know. The entire I point of, of this building this feature was to remove time. So I, I always added artificial... Uh, um, an artificial uh, idle period, so I was, I was uh, just getting less and less hours tracked throughout the day. Anyways, it is it is hard to use the product for time tracking to track the time you're building the time tracking product with while while trying out features. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, that was a long way of explaining. That was I... a long way of saying. So we started with UI project mm, on macOS. On macOS. Woo. Um, Risky, so but woo. The, the, <laughs> so this is fun. People have been asking us why we decided to go with SwiftUI and not something like uh, Catalyst. And I feel like there there are multiple reasons, but like I, I felt like Catalyst wasn't really just from the apps we've seen. It didn't really feel like the type of app we wanted to make. But it's not even um, just that. It's no. also we didn't have an existing code base, right? Exactly. There yeah. was like we started from zero. Yeah. And a lot of the features are very platform specific. Like yeah. there's no way of getting those kind of you know, you wouldn't want to idle detection on your phone. That makes no sense. Yeah. You've, there are other type of smart detection features we want to add on the phone later on, but it's so different from on Mac, so we didn't really want to reuse that. But we did feel like there are certain UI components that we that we definitely want to reuse. So that's why we thought SwiftUI might be a good thing for but it. But also like the thing with the with the um, menu bar item that we wanted. Like that is mm. a core part of, of a timer on, on macOS, right? You want to have something in your menu bar that you can monitor and see, like so you can see, hey, how much time am I tracking at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So we, we added, so we've been, um, throughout those last two weeks, we've been working on the SwiftUI app itself, but also adding the menu bar item. And the menu bar item, we actually end up, we had to write in... Um, an app kit directly, but I felt like the fact that we had a Swift UI code base and the Mac code base made it relatively easy to add the Mac component. I mean, oh, sorry, the app kit component. Yeah, it's super super easy, right? We just yeah. add a component, and it's essentially a button with some with a with a uh, some text that is the timer. Um, so it was super simple to add that and super trivial, and it's super easy now to not um, show the. Uh, you, we don't have to have the main app running while the um uh to, to for the menu bar items to still render so we can have the main app closed yeah, or yeah. not shown in the dock while still having the top hmm. so can that be done with catalyst or is that just an app kit thing so catalyst if you want to if you want to have a menu uh I, like if you look at carrot for example right they have mm. a catalyst yeah, yeah, app yeah cuz carrot them. has to be open that's what i'm thinking of that's yeah. right yeah but with SwiftUI, you don't. Right, okay, yeah, okay, makes sense. Like, because it's a quote-unquote native makeup, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's why cool. we thought, I mean, it is it is native, right? It's yeah, just I a know, different I know, I know. UI framework. Yeah, yeah. We're still using, uh, like, in certain places, we're still using all the NS-prefixed uh, frameworks for, like, there's, like, NS workspace for some of the notifications related to uh, idle detection, those kind of things. So this, it is a... A native Mac app using uh, NS prefixed frameworks, uh, just u- the UI being Swift UI. Yeah, nice. So Swift UI has been fun. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I am making enough progress on a daily basis with using Swift UI, so it's not frustrating yet. I haven't been wanting to give up in any way, and I think 
considering that we want to make a native Mac app, SwiftUI feels like the right way to go rather than starting to learn AppKit from scratch at this point. Because I honestly feel like SwiftUI is a more likely future for the Mac than AppKit is. So that's why I felt like... Well, at least for... I mean, I don't know. Mac might be the one that is the most difficult to be uh, served by SwiftUI. Mm -hmm. But realistically... It is a good opportunity for us to learn and use SwiftUI for yeah. something we're actually planning on shipping yeah. and then being able to make up those decisions. Like this is a project we work on for ourselves, right? So it's a yeah. good ex good project to to experiment with and try things with. Yeah. Um to then potentially if we if we work with a client, we're at least better informed rather than I wouldn't want to tell a client right now to say, "All right, let's let's build this app in SwiftUI." And yeah. Don't even know if we can. Yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. that feels like something you don't want to take the risk in for our own project. We can make those kind of uh, d decisions and and can work with like a hybrid app kit uh, SwiftUI mm. if we need to. Yeah, but I'm we don't have a deadline. We don't promise something we might not able to be. I, I expect this to be done by Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I mean, and we might. <laughs> But if, if we wouldn't, you know, we, can, we still deal. have expectations. Yeah. But if we don't, then we either change what, what we're doing in version one or we are like hosting some native uh, app kit stuff yeah. within our SwiftUI yeah. and we'll figure it out. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to do that for, you know, it's hard. The more unknowns there are, the harder it is to promise that you will yeah. deliver yeah. on it. And I, I feel like yeah. a lot to... to Get that knowledge and getting that understanding of how it works alone is worth it to to be worth trying to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And overall, I just feel like in general, when I'm trying to learn a new, like learn something new um, when it comes to development, I like to build something that I will use myself and build something that goes towards a final product. I'm not a big fan of just doing tutorials and then throwing something away or testing something out. And then, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to like just start like a small playground project if I want to try something or if I want to try an animation, I might do that in a separate project, but I like to have an intention of the thing I'm learning so mm -hmm. that I have it more in a, I'm more in the mindset of like, Knowing the direction I want to go 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 in with something, I just found that that's a bit more satisfying than mm -hmm. building something and then not using it or not getting it to see in the light of day. So I feel like this is a good thing for SwiftUI. Um, but and, also realistically, yeah. if for some reason, like realistically, a timer and time tracking app yeah. is not the most complicated UI exactly difficult app in the world right yeah, it is yeah. fairly contained and fairly manageable yeah um to i mean if if you can show like a essentially a list with with time entries that you can start and stop and do some like alerts mm -hmm. if if uh, certain events occur if you can do that in swift ui i mean apple wouldn't have shipped it so we felt <laughs> yeah fairly confident that we that we can complete this project in swift ui And we also completely accept, ex accepted if we cannot reuse any view components, that's fine. Mm. But we we thought there's a good chance that we will be able to. And I, we already tried it. We built it as a Mac app and then did the least amount possible, just added a new uh, iOS target, mm. mm -hmm. said all, all the views are, are uh, available for both targets and just try to build and see if it worked. And it worked. It wasn't, it wasn't the most uh, beautiful iOS app. I think, but I think with certain tweaks, we can get to quite a nice, like 
basic iOS. But also just more deliberately re re uh, reuse views, right? At the moment, mm. there was no customization at all. Yeah. And it was usable. Yeah. Which yeah. is a way better starting point uh, than, than you would have otherwise. Yeah. And realistically, if we would deliberately put together an iOS app, we would reuse components like our our list views, like basically a table view rows, yeah. right? If we would only reuse them but kind of have the the navigation slightly different, that would still save us time to to build essentially the same row again. Yeah. Yeah. And those kind of things are just I think the right approach because we yeah. can make something that's very, very Macy, very focused on that and being nice on the Mac, and then reuse the few, few components that are actually almost one to one, uh, usable on the iOS yeah. as well. Yeah. But all the other ones we just make native for that platform. Yeah, which I think is a really good compromise of if you want something that's very specific for the platform. But mm -hmm. still being able to reuse the parts that happen to be identical, and it's it's realistically not going to be hundred percent, ninety percent, or eighty percent. But you know, twenty percent of reusability on views is still. Oh, um, it might be more than twenty percent. Yeah, but even if not, right? Otherwise, it's better than for nothing. us. The yeah. option would have been zero percent or the potential for some. Yeah. Because realistically, we wouldn't have wanted to make a Mac app that doesn't feel like a Mac app. Like no. we we care about the Mac. We're using the Mac a lot. That's kind of almost a primary focus of this app. Yeah. So yeah. having a good Mac app was our number one requirement, and therefore, mm -hmm. uh, I think this is at least an approach that is was was appropriate for for what we're trying to do. But overall, I I think SwiftUI is relatively early, and I think you have to accept that there will be some frustration points, and you probably if you if you want to pick up SwiftUI for something. I think you shouldn't expect that you can do everything perfectly. Like, uh, for example, I think uh -huh. there are certain things, especially for Mac, that we have to compromise on when it comes to Swift to to using Swift UI. Um, like, for example, there isn't really seeming to be a way to spawn a new Windows on a Mac. You have to do that in AppKit. Um, so there are just certain things that are limited in Swift. But UI. also just documentation. There might yeah. be, but there might be. Yeah, we, we tried to find it for for. I mean, not for the full ten days that we worked on a project, but we tried to find a way. And we're like, eh, seems like there's no decent way of doing this. Yeah, and I think if you are looking at Swift UI and you already think it's very little, very little documentation and demo projects for iOS apps, it's close to non-existent for macOS. I think you often have to do some trial and error and sort of guess and expect it to work on Mac, but sometimes it doesn't really work on Mac or it or, might not or try work the, like you wanted to. the iOS approach yeah, and then see whether that one also happens to work on a Mac. Yeah, and, and I think for often something like, you're lucky. Yeah, I think for something like lists and regular views that's fine but when it comes to more like complicated ui if you want to if you want to have like a pop-up or something like that it is certain things are a bit trickier since they are not documented anywhere so you sort of have to do some try and error um but overall as i said i'm not frustrated enough to quit and <laughs> i guess that's that's a good thing um yeah i feel like i definitely see a good direction for swift ui i am concerned about the the lack of the lack of helpful error messages <laughs> um because it's often i think this is the same when you use any other um 
um, like anything like RX Swift or something, it tends to be quite difficult to debug. So if you have something, wait, 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 if wait, something wait, wait. is debugging RX yeah. Swift isn't easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You can definitely yeah. read stack traces and stuff. It's great. <laughs> that, that's the problem. You will know. I feel like Swift UI's errors will tell you that there might be something wrong somewhere in a file. <laughs> like that's sort of the that's sort of the level, and that file e- might be yours or or the compiler, but something is not working. Yeah, yeah, probably. It's usually not showing the error on the line of code that you would expect to have an error. Um, but that's for compile time, but also at runtime, it's like it's quite yeah tricky. Yeah, but I think so. I think if you are. I think what you have to do is just be patient. <laughs> like if you see an error message, I think sometimes I, SwiftUI is spitting out error messages before I completed writing a block of code. <laughs> um, but then once I'm done writing that block of code, it's fine and it will not complain anymore. So there are certain things that you just have to be patient with and just complete something yourself. Don't rely on autocorrect, like just, just write things yourself. Um, but also I think you have to be a pretty comfortable debugger and be pretty comfortable just like digging into your code yourself and not really relying on error messages. Yes, it's really difficult if this would be your first exposure to iOS development, I yeah. think. If you're like, you get an error and you're like, all right, seems to be related to this, but it's actually fa- two two views down the hierarchy, but that's not the view that actually throws the error. It's some something yeah. up the chain. It's it's. Qu- I, I would imagine it'd be quite frustrating if you don't, like we when we write something, we feel like, no, I'm pretty confident we're right here. So let's see if there's something else going on. Yeah. Well, I think if you're if you didn't build that confidence over years of doing this kind of work, I think it would be a lot harder to deal with. Yeah. I don't want to like uh, now. I feel like we end on a good note. Like as I said, overall, it's not been bad enough to discourage me. So no, I mean realistically, we got almost entire app done in in ten days of yeah. kind of the feature set we wanted. UI isn't done yet. But getting like a timer app that talks to APIs that lets you start and stop timers and detect the idle functionality, like detect the idle, lets you update the timers, lets you add notes and remove notes and change notes and adding a ha- menu bar item, adding menu bar item that shows the timer as it tracks and lets you start, stop, and view the timer f- right from the menu bar item. And there's a decent-ish amount of features for something like considering that we've not done Mac apps before in in. I mean, realistically, those ten days were not full time days either, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe, maybe a just under a week of full time work, I mm-hmm. think, is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it's it's definitely talk to me in like a month and mm. see see how see how I feel. But I mean, also realistically, now we're getting into things that might be more finicky. Yeah, like exactly. now we're getting into like polishing and UI. Yeah, that will be interesting. How how that will go? Because a lot of the things at the moment were were logic related things not so yeah. much like ui changing and ui uh a related tasks mm-hmm. so it will be interesting if we're still feeling the same in a week but so far so good yeah and even if we would need to do the rest now in 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 like uh if we would have to wrap some app kit view to to get something and i th- still think it was a good call for what we have so far yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. no, it's a like one way or another. It's a good learning experience, right? And that's if right. You come mm. out even if you came out of this saying, "Hey, SwiftUI, I never want to use it again." You still know, and you've scratched that itch, mm. and you've learned. Um, yeah. It doesn't sound yeah. like that's going to be the verdict, but if it was, I think it would mm-hmm. still be a worthwhile use of time. Mm. Um, and yeah. at the very least, you walk away with heaps of good new SwiftUI skills. So, 
Mm. Yeah, no, I don't think that, <laughs> that are probably uh, obsolete in in about two beta releases. <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah, based on the lack of documentation, I expect a lot of API changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just and also just the previous few betas that still had major changes. Uh, mm. Like even things fair related point, yeah. to navigation are still not fully done on the Mac. Uh, but it's still, I, I mean, well. well I think will be interesting. Interesting to see where this is going and interesting to see what the cadence is. Like, I think at the moment it's hard to, to really talk about that because so many things are in interesting states with Apple. I mean, realistically, they're still not done with the first rollout, right? I, I just realized the the Apple Watch Series 1, 2, and 3 is still... D- does one even get it? Either way, the, like the earlier uh, Apple Watches still do not have the watchOS update. That is true. Yeah. yeah and uh, the HomePod is still not rolled out either. Um, you mean the HomePod update? The HomePod update, yeah. And tvOS is still on 13.0. So there's still a weird... Like, it still feels like... <laughs> I mean, not feels like... Apple's still not done with the initial rollout of their uh, 2019 software. And it's, like, late October now. So it's 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 probably not a good time to try to predict cadence on updates on frameworks just because there's so many things still going on. But it will be interesting when everything's settled, if we'll see like very frequent, maybe even API changing, breaking uh, uh, things happening in, in the next few builds. And if if we'll see like in, I don't know, 13.2 or 13.3 that... Uh, makes it really hard to be compatible with 13.3 Swift UI, uh, like to be backwards compatible. Like if you need to start dropping like uh, point releases of uh, of 13 in order to still uh, use the new Swift UI features, those kind of things will be interesting to see how how do those shape up when we're when we're in a more more normal release cadence for for this framework. Yeah, definitely, it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but but was kind of it's kind of fun. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Um, so that's, that's good. <laughs> that's all that matters. That's all that Mal matters. Mal is happy. Yeah. Um, anyways. Speaking of rollouts, looks like no. we do not have an event this month. Um, no. Hey. Hmm. Mm. I mean, I feel like I think I mean it's 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 only like one and a half week left in the in the month, right? And invites should have been going out if there would be an event. I mean, we 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 kind of said for for a while now that we didn't really expect an event, and it looks like a lot of these slower Apple News podcasters <laughs> now also caught up caught on to that. Uh, might be ha- might not be happening this year. Good burn, good burn. Yeah, good yeah. burn. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, but I still wonder if if that means we still. St- uh, we'll see newsroom releases because um, the 16-inch uh, MacBook icon leaked in the latest uh, Catalina beta. Um, Did it though? What what could you see from that? That was the- see, that's what I'm wondering too. I mean, you why could is see- this an iPhone? Why is this a 16-inch mm, MacBook? Yeah. What what I mean, classifies multiple this things. Uh, it's one inch larger. <laughs> How do you uh, see that? <laughs> it's if a, you just like, look at the dimension, PNG at 40 serious? points. <laughs> Still, yeah, I mean, if you overlay them, there you might can just see... be someone who doesn't have very good skills in dimension. Like in, in, in no, if you if you overlay the two images, ouch, Malin. 
Yeah. What? You're, you're also here for the burns, huh? <laughs> if, I'm if, just saying it's hard to draw at the perfect dimensions. If you if you look at the two images, uh, and you overlay, you assume the keyboard is the Sorry, keyboard sizes are. Where do I get right? the other image from? Hmm? Where can I get the 15 inch image from? From your currently shipping, Catalina. Where do I see that? I can find it. Okay. Put because in some is, elevator we, music we while to, looking for it. We need to do it. this test. Here we go. There's a there's a tweet from Mac Rumors that does that quite nicely. Open that and hit the start GIF icon, play button. Okay. Thank you for telling me how to use a computer. Oh, okay. Wait up. I have bad news. You have reached your time limit on Twitter.com. I guess I'll have to ignore <laughs> the limit. It's for science. What a shame. If you look at that, the keyboard dimensions are identical, but the screen... How do you... Okay. If you're, like, crawling through... The system. How do you even notice this is different anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Either way, uh, it is there. You can see how it's bigger. You can see how the bezels are slimmer comparatively. You see how the casing is larger with the keyboard being the same. And if you pay attention to the very le- top left of the keyboard, you can see that it looks like the touch bar ends a bit earlier to allow for a physical escape button. And if you do the same on the top right, it looks like it ends earlier for a separate uh, touch ID button, probably. Because there's now some some silver space visible. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I totally see. I totally see how this is different. And yada yada. Let's just assume I've accepted this. Uh, I'm slightly disappointed though, <laughs> because there are still there are still like noticeable screen bezels on this. Like the the yeah. bezel size is not significantly reduced. And if you look at the GIF, one of the ways you can tell it's new is because it's physically larger. That's kind of disappointing. I was hoping it would be you know more or less in the same body of the f- current 15 inch. But alas, no. Which also means that this magical 14-inch, which I'm hoping for one day, will probably not be the desired size. It'll probably still be larger than the current 13. That's a shame. Mm. Well, thanks for yeah. ruining my mm. dreams, Kai. Well, no, so... Okay, I, I, I might to... have saved you $20,000. Be happy. Twenty <laughs> yeah, point. is 20000 No, I'm just okay. making fun of Apple's pricing. Okay. <laughs> um, I was wondering, why are, why are all those leaks coming out? I'm sorry, it's like... I don't want to complain. Someone made a mistake, but I start to feel like this is intentional. <laughs> Damn, Apple, like control week, your software engineers. Yeah, control your people. Um, last week it was the it was the headphones, and there was a leaked image, and now it's the computer. I yeah. feel like this is this is the place that most leaks are coming from, and I'm starting to wonder if people do it on purpose. Well, what would drive you to do this on purpose? <laughs> maybe maybe you want to leak the images. <laughs> Maybe you intentionally want to leak those images, or maybe Apple wants to leak the images just to manage the crowd. Because I feel like there's so many times this has happened, so there should be a standard to put more control into that before you're shipping software to actually make sure that you don't include any images that are from unreleased products. I mean, am I am I being silly to yeah. assume that you can control this? No, I mean, realistically, there are so many things. I mean. It's probably more stress happening right now, right? Like, this is a very... One of the more stressful parts in Apple's software uh, history. Plus, realistically, there was probably a chance for Apple to have an event this month. Like, there was probably... Apple probably didn't decide this uh, a year ago that it won't be an October event. It was probably happening as we approached that event. Yeah, yeah. Apple reevaluate. 
the can we have this event or not so obviously everything needed to be ready in case they did i it doesn't mean they're not going to ship this this laptop maybe in a newsroom uh, press release um but like you still have to have your betas ready if you plan to ship software that will run those betas or yeah, those builds yeah yeah and the more stress and the less you know the more hot needle everything is mm-hmm the more likely those kind of mistakes slip through. And I think that's why probably we're seeing a lot more leaks at the moment than than it is usual for Apple is because everything is a lot more uh, stressful internally. Yeah, so they're sort of trying to stop a lot of things that were were intended to go out and then certain things just... Yeah, like there are more last-minute decisions, there's more back and forth, there's maybe even the people who who worked on this might not, you know, they might not know what what's happening with the event yeah it's um, true but also like it goes back and forth it's it's just you know those kind of things mm. if you're already more stressed than usual if you're trying to get more things uh fixed in in uh, you, i mean we're in iOS 13.1.3 uh, like updates happen very frequently at the moment something's gotta give and apparently that is uh making sure that nothing isn't Everything is out that shouldn't be in there. And that in combination with things uh, maybe being wiggled around with like event dates very, very late might might cost us. I don't think this is deliberate. No? No. I don't think this is like a, you know... Disgruntled Apple employees. No. Like, I, I want, I want this uh, the world to know about the 16 inch MacBook from this tiny PNG. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I'm just wondering why you can't put more. I think Phil Schiller is not good at announcing computers. I think this is the way to <laughs> announce a computer. It makes no sense. No, it doesn't make sense. I I know. I mean, it's it, it's not like this is a better way of announcing <laughs> announcing products. I don't think you anything mean, believe yeah. anyone believe in that. But I do start to think that like it might be out of spite that it's in there or. Apple intentionally wanted to leak them just I mean, to set oh, the whatever spite there quality. is. It's not against other people who work, you know. Yeah, it, no, that's that's true. That's true. But why what would about, you ruin like the announcement fund for someone who worked a long true. time on on this product? But it could be something like Apple knows that they are. Apple want to see the reaction on people if I don't they are think. releasing a 16. But what, what are they going to do? Everyone's saying, oh, I hate this. And now? Maybe like, they now don't they make it. A, Maybe they're considering to make uh, it. Yeah. I, no, I know, I know. No. Probably not. Makes no sense. Hmm. So you think it's just a mistake? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, those kind of things always happen. They just happen just a conf- lot. Yeah, I'm just wondering why it always happens. It happens so said, often with this specific thing. Like my explanation. I like your ex- cool. well, I, I do. I'm just thinking you could put like an automated test in. Yeah, but I mean, there's even things like at some point you need to flag those things as no longer internal, right? Yeah. At some point, you still want to seed those builds to internal yeah, yeah, developers, yeah. and then you want to, at some point, be able to seed them to to external developers. Yeah. It's just, it's. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I, like, uh, I understand. Like I just wonder why the approach would be now. every image is that shouldn't be out before a specific date is tagged with internal, or yeah. every every everything. Right, as soon as there's an internal flag on something, your build system will fail. Yeah. Um, I know. I know. It's, it's probably like, like a signed thing. off. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I know. It's probably a bigger systematic change that would need to happen, and there's obviously no one did this intentionally. But I'm just wondering, 
like why it always why it keeps on happening with these type of type of leaks. Uh, I don't because know. those are the things that slip through. I know, but I feel like it used to be leaks used to come more from the supply chain, right? I mean, we've always had something coming mm. through in software updates. Yeah, it's just a very consistent. Like it's the last few betas were like a stream of um, if. You know, if there's a new beta, yeah, we're yeah. we're almost waiting for. All right, let's see what nine to five found this time. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate though that the stress is sort of leading to more mistake, and I think that's a human thing to happen. But I feel like they need to get their releases in order so that people can. I mean, feel, get less stressed about this. It, it will happen, right? Yeah. I, I'm sure Apple learned a lot from this this release period. Yeah, um, I agree. And I'm sure we're not the only people in the world that realized that something didn't go quite well. No, no. I, I think they realized that probably before we even knew how not well things went. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And st- started to try to adjust and, and make the necessary... Uh, yeah, changes. I have a feeling that they are recognizing that they might have taken on too much, like bitten off more than they can chew for this release pro- this release time. Yeah, around. also brought things together. Yeah, uh, very late. Yeah, maybe. so I think they're probably going to make some adjustments. So, mm. yeah, and maybe if if everything is in order again, then we'll also see less of those kind of because realistically, those are small. You know, they're small mistakes to make. Mm. Uh, and uh, I know, I know. It is things that can happen. slip through. And even if you would do a visual check, you know, as as that yeah, you can said, check everything. But even if you would, right? It's, yeah, it's, true. If you look at this, you might not realize without the like overlaid GIF um, that this is the new MacBook. You know, and, and even if you do have checks or people checking things, this is an easy, way easier and way more understandable one to overlook than the starboard stuff. Yeah, you know that that I feel like. That's a pretty big one to to have yeah. made it in. This one, you know, you could look you could look through all the assets and be like, "Yep, yeah, seems about right. Nothing that I've that seems out of the ordinary." Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, but I hope that people at Apple get some more rest sometimes because I feel like they they might really need it because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think things will get in order soon, though. Hmm. Hmm. All right. Speaking of things being in order. You wrote um, meet our price changes into our show notes, Malin. How do you know I wrote it? Who told you? Uh, you told me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, Zach, you seem to be quite... Uh, I don't know. You wrote on Twitter about those changes to Meetup. Yes, and of course. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Maybe you guys want to talk about this because Meetup tried to change their prices. Mm-hmm. Then they sort of said that it wasn't really a change it was it seemed to have been abort, for abort. yeah it seems don't to, like to pay more yeah people don't like it and they seem to have changed it to sort of be like they they they, they just clarified that this will just be for certain people who are beta testing it and these groups can opt out if they don't want to use those new prices yeah mm-hmm. um i think yeah. it is interesting to talk about on this show because i know you run a meetup and i help run a mm. meetup and we're all we we all our meetups are on meetup so it definitely <laughs> affects us but i think it was um, yeah, I mean, there was that there was that blog post on Tuesday morning, my time, that said, and the thing is, uh, it wasn't communicated. I don't know if you got any comms about it, but I definitely didn't. No. And no. I only saw this on Twitter that uh, their plan was for some meetups in the by the end of the month to have a new pricing model where 
they're going to you're not going to be charged your monthly fee of it's like roughly twenty five US dollars a month, um, but instead will be charged two dollars, and your per attendee per meetup will have to pay two dollars, and that fee can either be charged to the attendee or paid by the host um, for all of mm-hmm. their attendees, or and, some kind of mix of that, right? Yeah, something like that. But the idea was two dollars per person per meetup. Um, yeah. Which plus two dollars per month? Yes, just to, just to you know, like I don't know, keep the twist the knife around. Have a certain yeah. level of re- like make it make it not completely free to have yeah. to start a meetup. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the thing is, it was coming in so soon, and I think mm-hmm. there was wording in there that made it sound like it would be a trial at first, but there was nothing, or that it was rolling out slowly, but there was nothing in there that it wouldn't be affecting everyone. It was kind of implied that it was affecting everybody. Um, and then, of course, as Twitter does, people tweet about it and uh, express their displeasure. Because I know for a lot of meetups, unless you had a really, really small meetup that met infrequently, you're going to be worse off um, having to make this change. In the example of Sydney Coca Heads, yeah, yeah. we currently pay like 25 US a month. With this change, we'd need to pay $242 a month, mm-hmm. which... Is a mm-hmm. lot of money, and and I think that that's obviously if you, as a meetup group, decide to pay for the yes. attendees, mm-hmm. that's uh, right. which I think many meetups want to do. Mm-hmm. But I think their argument was sort of that it will be cheaper for an organizer because yes. you don't pay the and the I mean there, cost there is front. that is a decent uh, objective to have, right? Because I mean, even even twenty five US dollars, if you don't have anyone that sponsors that, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to to bankrupt us, but like that's what is that thirty five? Um, we pay. We are on the six month subscription, so we pay about um, hundred dollars per half a year. Yeah, so that's still like that's a hundred dollars that we pay for for organizing something for other people, right? That's still mm-hmm. a non non zero amount of money that, in theory, would be nice not having to pay. Yeah, and I think like just. Thinking about it from like an organizer's perspective, I'm thinking that sure, it would be nice to be able to ask your attendees to like donate two dollars per meetup or something. And I think that's something that some meetups do. They have like a gold gold coin donation on the meetup location. So when you get there, you like just give a couple of bucks um, to the organizer, and then the organizer can say like in the meetup description if they want that or if they don't want that. But there's nothing that is forcing people to. To pay that, it's more like a volunteer, vo- volunteer thing. And I can imagine that organizers might have said, "Hey, meetup, it would be nice if people could pay to go to a meetup, so we don't have to deal with cash." But I feel like the way meetup dealt with that was not as beneficial to the organizers as you would want. And it's also sort of like it's a bit strange because I think as an organizer you might want to ask for that, but you might also want to be one of those organizers who just want to pay for it up front. And I think. If you then have to pay $2 per attendee, that's ending up being more expensive for you as an organizer. And something I like is that I could say, as an organizer, I want people to pay $2 a month. I want people to who attend, who are able to pay, to pay me, but you don't have to feel pressure. You can still go to the meetup if you want to, and if you feel like you don't can't afford the $2, then that's fine. Like You can attend for free. And I wanted to sort of be... More on a person base, like if you feel as a person attending a meetup you that you can pay two dollars, then that's a nice thing to do, but it's like a voluntary thing. 
right? Like, I feel like that's a nice yeah. system, but this is, that's not at all what needs But there are also, like, a few other things related to that, right? First of all, if you would offer to pay for it, like, yeah. let's say this, this, this kind of pricing concept would actually launch, mm-hmm. and you're saying, all right, I don't want people to having to pay, so I keep it free. Now, I mean... Everyone who, who runs a meetup with more than like 30 members knows that there are people who RSVP and never show. There are people who mm-hmm. RSVP who aren't even people. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they're just some, some kind of weird spam bots. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you start paying $2 for, for spam bots or mm-hmm. for people who, can, who don't even bother to show up. And yeah. Those kind of things, and I right? think that's a weird incentive for meetup as well. There's no reason why meetups should police spam bots from RSVPing mm. because they will make money on uh, like from the organizer mm. if a bot is RSVPing. And then there are also things like then you have to set a more um, conservative uh, threshold for RSVPs because at the moment yeah. we, we just have it a bit higher than we expect just in case there are there is more demand people can show up and it's always like I, I don't necessarily need to make it try to be uh, like limited spots like we, we'll figure it out if there happen to be 20 people more than I expected sure we'll figure it out right but you wouldn't want to uh, uh, do that if you know all of a sudden uh, 20 p- more people showing up than you expect means 40 more dollars you have to pay. Yeah, yeah. That is that is quite the, quite the, uh, uh, I don't know, that risk that, I mean, yeah. in tech meetups, maybe there is more money for that, but in, in other meetups, you now take the risk of paying $40 more per yeah. meetup but just even because tech, you want to be nicer yeah. and have spots open for people. Yeah, yeah. It just it just adds another barrier. I think meetup is meant to, for you as an attendee to be able to like learn new things. And I think if you might not be in tech and you're unsure if this meetup is for you, you might not want to pay for going to something like that. Yeah, well, discourages try- people to go if they need to pay. But yeah. at the same time, if you don't care two dollars worth, maybe you know that, that's the other argument you can make. Yeah, if you yeah, don't even yeah. care two dollars worth of going, maybe you shouldn't go. Unless they like, if, yeah, yeah. If There's have... nothing wrong with uh, having the option to pay for meetups, but the mm-hmm. way that meetup made it sound was as though this is mandatory. And I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. I get the organizer could pay, but that's often not like in in your case. Uh, I mean, let's just say in your case, you have a meetup twice a month with twenty people. It's significantly more expensive for you, mm-hmm. so you mm-hmm. probably don't want to take that on yourself. And whether you do or don't, that's a yeah. different. But just hypothetically, so then you're only Let's say you couldn't uh, couldn't do that. Your only step now would be to make attendees pay, and you might not want to make mm-hmm. attendees pay. And in the case of Cokerheads, we look in a fortunate position where we could probably find sponsorship to cover that if we absolutely needed to, but we don't want to mm-hmm. make attendees pay. That's the number one thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's just not a great fit for every meetup. I'm perfectly fine with having meetups where there is an entry fee. I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, yeah, that said, like... It shouldn't yeah, be the, yeah, it's, the only way. Yeah, yeah. But in general, I, I think Meetup has been run quite strangely lately. Uh, so I would, I would like to see some alternatives too. But with, always with those kind of marketplace type things, it needs a certain level of traction because otherwise no one finds you, right? If you would be on new platform A and no one looks at new platform A for yeah. meet, meetups or for, you know, it's even becoming the word for what it is, but for, for like gatherings of people with similar interests, um, <laughs> that will be uh, our, our competitor. We call it pe- a gathering of people of similar interest.com. But, but that um, is the advantage of meetup is that, you can find and discover other meetups in the same place. That's right. 
Um, yeah, but it's it's hard now to to compete with that, right? right? Yeah, because if you build something new, you don't you don't have meetups and you don't have attendees. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. but that's the same with any community. There's so sure. many times we've been wanted to move off Twitter, but we are not fully moved off Twitter mm. because that's just where everyone is. Yeah, and so, then obviously meetup can feel like they can enforce whatever prices they want to some extent. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I. It's a bit strange as well, like you like you said, Zach, that they didn't really send any messages out to organizers about this. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, if, if they actually didn't plan to roll it out, yeah, it kind of makes sense. That's the thing. I don't know if this was really thought through. It seems like they sort of got I mean, again, if it, it's, if it was only a test for a very small group, yeah. who cares, right? Why would they tell everyone no, that no, they I have agree. a weird plan, right? So maybe that was the intention from but the beginning. But either way, what, whatever the intention, I'm, I'm not feeling super comfortable and happy with Meetup for quite some time because all their, all their services and stuff is pretty broken in a lot mm-hmm. of ways yeah yeah especially uh, when their spam, spam detection is non-existent yeah. uh they're like i mean i i don't like a lot about the platform maybe this is also good when a good enough in in a good industry for this where maybe something uh open source might be able to to uh serve us right for i think for tech tech community there's a lot of potential for it not to be on meetup but being on something that's yeah. just you know? It's just a bit harder for discovery, and I think that's always the problem. Yeah, that you you need to migrate off it. But I think I, I will at least try for us to try something like Eventbrite or something that has free free events for free uh, or free fee or no fees for free events. Mm-hmm. Maybe I try something like that. I, I'm I'm kind of despite it not actually rolling out. I'm I'm kind of a bit fed up with WeWork and and. Um, and uh, Meetup in particular. So if there's something that's uh, out there, I should at least try it and see if, if mm. we have a chance to move away from it. Yeah, even yeah, after they idea. went back on this change, uh, I know a few people have said, well, maybe it's a good opportunity to look for an alternative, um, mm. at least at least to consider the options so that if a time comes where you really do need to move, uh, we know it's mm. out there. So. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I mean, in general, having something s- so weirdly... Uh, Locked in for for communities is probably not uh, not right. Yeah, Meetup has so much. Like it's such a good brand, though. Like you know, Meetup the word it's mm. it's sort of synonymous with meetups. Like it's yeah, I know. I know. yeah, yeah. It could have been wish, so much better. I wish WeWork hadn't bought yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was it was a lot more more enjoyable before. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Cool. Either way, attend all your local meetups while you still can. Yeah, still. Like, I, I, I really like meetup as <laughs> a, like, I, I like what meetups are, even though meetup.com as a platform is not great for it. Mm. But I think, yeah, yeah. Like, but meetups Meeting people bring... who care about similar things is, is, is a good thing yeah. to do. And, yeah. and for as much as we don't, we're not talking too favorably about meetup, think about all the great meetups that it has allowed for and has enabled you know, to th- like those meetups to thrive. And I know I've been to some meetups that are on meetup that I've sort of found out about and sort of, you know, you kind of, if you see something on meetup, you kind of assume it's legit. You know that the yep. organizer is paying for it. You know that they're probably serious about it. So there's, it's, it's not all bad. Uh, it's just, mm. it looks like they're not heading in the best direction, but it's definitely mm. uh, served a very, very valuable purpose and, and probably been a net mm. benefit. Uh, actually, definitely, I'm going to say it definitely has been a net benefit. Um, mm. Just be interesting to see the direction they take yeah. from now on. But also, like, most of my my closest friends I've met through meetups. So yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Uh, cool. So, uh, Kai, are you buying an iPad? <laughs> 
Uh, I don't think so. No? No. Because you said that before this, uh, before we started recording, that you're thinking of buying an iPad. It's, it's not that I'm buying an iPad. I, I just think... <laughs> what are you going to do? Take it from them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I find a free one yeah. uh, unattended in a coffee shop, I might have one. <laughs> um, no, it's more that I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, ah, maybe I should give an iPad. Like, I, I, I bought the first iPad and the second one. And then kind of didn't use it as much as I thought. And then kind of just discounted iPads a thing that's not really for me. And I feel like now iPads have changed enough that it's probably about time for me to give it another shot. Okay. Um, and also, I think just as a developer, there are more things now happening. Like an iPad is a lot more mm. capable as a device that I can create stuff with yeah, in within yeah. the tech space than it was uh, obviously uh, when when with the iris uh, three and four days yeah four and five days what, what did the first iPad ship with I forgot uh, I don't know three point two I think okay um three point two yeah it was like a custom build of iris oh, yeah I, mm. I remember something like and then like four brought them together maybe yeah and was that the same yeah, time it went to iOS. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, it sounds about right. Uh, um, yeah, and then also, like, if you if you look at kind of Apple's development ecosystem, it mm. seems like things start to come together for something to enable you to make Apple platform apps on the iPad, right? So if we're looking at what we have right now, uh, we already have Playgrounds, so that's writing source code. We have in, in Xcode, we have SwiftUI, and we have the kind of visual editor, like the canvas on the right, mm -hmm. that is already written in SwiftUI. Uh, so porting that to an iPad would be manageable. It's kind of the missing part, right? The, the simulator part of building yeah. stuff. And, and you don't really it. need a sim... Like, it's sort of like a simulator. You could, it's yeah, a, you it's could, a preview, and that might be enough. Yeah, you, you can preview... But even run it then, right? You can compile it for the, for the architecture yeah, that it's running on. Uh, can, you, can you still navigate through the app in that preview? Uh, no, no, no. Oh. Yeah, you can run You can run the previous. Yeah, sure. Okay, okay, cool. Um, and um, like Swift Package, the Swift Package Manager might make package mm. management an option on yeah. the iPad as well. You don't need a terminal to install your pod files. Yeah, that's yeah. a big That was sort of when I saw mm. the interface for that in Xcode this year, I was thinking that would make a lot of sense on right. an iPad or other device mm -hmm. that doesn't have a command line. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then the last missing piece is to actually deploy that. And I think that's actually where something like, I mean, Applebot body built uh, a while ago, right? So if this, that could theoretically be the, the missing piece for, for actual deployment as well, mm -hmm. like getting it to App Store Connect, um, even if the iPad can do that itself, mm -hmm. let, let's just assume. It feels like Apple is in a good place where, where the iPad could become a Apple platform development device soon. So that's also in, makes it, an interesting yeah. and an exciting development for just based on me and my very personal needs for a computing platform, right? Uh -huh. That is obviously a core part of of. But would, would you? I mean, you have a laptop at the moment and an iMac. Would mm -hmm. you need an iPad to develop from too? Do you have three arms? You're gonna yeah, yeah. Like a, like That's how multitasking uh, works. Yeah, you just use more devices. No, but no, so it's, it's just, just mostly just out of curiosity. So if this would be something that becomes available on an iPad, you would want to try it? Or is it more like you think the iPad is such a different platform from what it used to and that's why you want to try it? It becomes it? Or do you more useful in all, in all aspects. Okay. And if 
if there would be a way of building apps for that, mm -hmm. I think that would be definitely enough. It's already now very close to being something I would potentially consider. But if it would have that, it would almost be um, weird if I wouldn't like that. Because, I mean, yeah, realistically, yeah, I don't... I there's not a lot on my MacBook that I use my MacBook for that I that it wouldn't be similarly or or even better in some senses on, on an iPad. Mm. So I feel like the, if that would come together at some point in the near future, that would really make it make a strong case uh, for the iPad for my personal use of, of mobile computing. Mm. And I think that's, that's quite cool. And then you get all the other things, right? It's like just the development flow could be very interesting as with like AR kit related things on an iPad. Uh, would be yeah, quite, I know. That's something that I would like to You do. know, if you build and run and try directly yeah, on the same device, yeah. that would be kind of cool. That you yeah. have but also like, the, everything in one device to build for for Apple's uh, platforms. Hmm. That would be kind of I don't remember cool. what it's called, but they also released this tool this year, um, which is like a... It's not Xcode. It's a separate tool where you can actually build your ARKit models on the iPad. Mm -hmm. That seems really cool. Like the reality composer yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. Have you tried it, Zach? I haven't, no, but there was a great conference. Actually, there were two talks that mentioned it at DevWorld. Um, so okay. that's, that's been yeah. my exposure to it. But it does seem quite cool. And it sort of enables a bunch of things that, you know, otherwise need code for. And that can be a higher barrier to entry. So I think it's awesome. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think the iPad becomes more interesting for me. Um, not just because of the potential things all coming together for development. Mm -hmm. But in general, it seems like it's now in a, in a significantly different spot from where it used to be. And I don't know if it's, if it's great or if it serves my needs, but it's at least different enough to potentially getting close to me wanting to give it, giving it another shot. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Now you convinced me. I should also buy an iPad. <laughs> you have an iPad. It's old. <laughs> No, uh, maybe I should buy a keyboard for my current iPad. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Uh, just, I, I just thought it's it's getting getting more interesting. Yeah, again. yeah. Okay. And I do think, like, so many things coming together, surely there is intention behind that, right? Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be pretty intentional. Mm. Yeah. So that would be, would be fun. Yeah. All right. So, if you guys, unless you guys have something else that you really want to chat about this week, I think we could move on to things of the week. Sounds All good. Right, let's yeah. do things of the week. Cool. Um, who wants to start? Who started last time? I started last time. Okay, I start. If that's okay. <laughs> Did you even care who started last time? <laughs> I realized that I want to start. Yeah, okay. When I asked yeah. the question. Um, so, I start. Um, so we already spoke a bit about Swift UI uh, on the Mac. And as I mentioned, we also made a Mac, um, Mac OS menu bar item, um, in AppKit. And this was something I was not really having experience with before. Uh, I haven't done Mac development. And when I knew that I needed to make the menu bar item and that I needed to make that in AppKit, I was a bit, I'm sure about the difficulty behind, like how, how difficult that would be, because I hadn't done it before. Turns out it's not that hard. Like it's actually quite, quite easy to make it, mm -hmm. um, which I was pleasantly surprised by. Um, but when I was starting to look into how to do this, I found this really good article by Ray Vandalik, um, or on Ray Vandalik. It's actually written by a person named Warren Burden. 
Um, and this article uh, or this tutorial is really good if you want to just make a simple menu bar um, item or with, with a drop-down drop menu. I thought that it was it was really good, and also it also goes through like how you can make an independent app. So if you don't want to have your own launch window for for a Mac app, you can just have a menu bar item in itself, and you don't have to spawn a window for for the app. And it has steps for that as well. Um, and I found it to be like a really good place to get started. And as I said, it is relatively straightforward. But if you want to have like a reference reading while doing this. This article is really good. It's called Menus and Popovers in Menu Bar Apps for Mac OS. Oh, that's catchy. <laughs> I know. Mm. Um, we'll put a link in the show note because that's not a very specific... I mean, it is a specific name, but it's not very memorable of a name. So we'll put a link in. Um, but I found it to be really useful. And I think Menu Bar... Apps are in general very useful. There are so many things you can put in the menu bar. Um, it's, a, it's, it's great. So if anyone's interested in making some, uh, it's a good resource. Mm. Mm. And in general, it's having having a menu bar app is also for especially on a Mac. There's so much value in having that. Like even for carrot weather, I think the mm-hmm. menu bar gets ninety percent of my uh, mm. interaction, mm-hmm. and the app the mm-hmm. the remaining ten. And it's almost accidental, and I I prefer the menu bar overview over the main application, and I I think it's just such a good place to get those kind of quick, glanceable information in mm. there. I mean, a lot of people have a whole bunch of weird status icons that don't do anything in there, but if you're kind of decent with your with your menu bar hygiene and only <laughs> allow things that are useful, it I I think it can be a very useful part of how to use a Mac, and also. Pro tip, most people probably know, but uh, you can rearrange your menu bar items if you hold um, the command key, command key and key and click uh, on your Mac. You can rearrange your icons if you want to remove something from the menu bar. Uh, not for all of them, but for uh, a good amount of them. I don't know if that's still a Catalina thing. You can drag it out of the menu bar and make it go away. But I, I th- from all the ones I just tried, it doesn't seem to actually work for most of them great tip kai Thanks. but it works for for <laughs> two of them so uh it does work for a not oh, okay. zero amount so it of them to be a thing cool. like it, it works for apples like if you if you don't want to have to i mean apart from you being able to if you don't want to have bluetooth for example you can go to settings bluetooth and not show it in menu bar or you just command drag it out of the menu bar and hmm. cool mm. thank you cool uh maybe i should go f- second so zach can finish it up because it's always hard to follow those up. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we know what Zach's pick is, and it's hard to follow it up. So that's why I want to go first. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I go second. Uh, my pick is Edgard for uh, for Safari. Is that uh, how you pronounce it? What do you mean? You almost say it like Edgar, like like the name Ad- of a person. Edgard. Uh, you said it more like Edgar. Edgar. Yeah, Edgard. Yeah, Edgard. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I like your pronunciation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because uh, obviously with Catalina, a lot of the um, uh, Safari extensions are no longer properly working uh, because of some of the changes that we're not going into now. Um, but I was uh, trying to find a good replacement uh, for uBlock Origin that I used for, for many years um, on Safari. And was I was always very happy with it because it was uh, lightweight, didn't, didn't break 
or most web pages didn't break as a result of it. It was fast, it was reliable, it was updated, the block lists were updated. Um, it had really good block lists, so not a lot of ads actually made it through. You could add your own uh, filters to it and you could have nice um, exclusions if there are web pages that you actually want to show ads. Um, so if, when that went away, I, I tried, I don't know how many, way too many um, ad blockers that, that used the kind of new um, the new extension style for to still work uh, without issues on, on the latest Safari. And the one that I was the most happy with is AdGuard for Safari because it still has... It, it's, it's a bit weird. All of them now have... Because there's a limit on how many ad filters you can have um, or how many rules you can have for uh, each extension. So a lot of the, the better filters now have... Like I said, I think for AdGuard, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different extensions. Uh, where they kind of group them based on like the custom filters are their own extension and general is their own extension and privacy is their own just to kind of get around the 200 limit. Uh, but nevertheless, if you activate all of them and, and keep the filters up to date, it is the closest I could find to the speed and reliability of um, of uBlock Origin. So if anyone else is after a new ad blocker, for Safari that is not breaking too much and mostly uh, makes ads go away, um, try out AdGuard. Mm, I'm using it as well. It's been working pretty well so far. Mm. And it looks is it free completely? It is free. They yeah. they do have some some premium stuff if you want to have basically a, a n- kind of more of a network level blocking. Okay. Like this is just a Safari extension that filters out stuff, sure. right? But you can also do the network blocking where it blocks it ads on your entire system and if you want to go down that route i think there's a premium to that but just the safari one is free okay and it's yeah because i I saw that it was free and then couldn't see any mention of in-app purchase and was quite surprised Mm. but that's cool Mm. Mm. and i mean surfing the web without an ad blocker is no way to live i know (laughs) oh it's so terrible because when i updated to mac os catalina my previous um ad blocker wasn't working in Catalina anymore and gosh the internet is terrible <laughs> right right it's like all those pop-ups coming up and there's so much clutter and oh it's always the same ad on one website shown on 10 different places and, gosh, and it breaks just, the layout and yeah it's just horrific and yeah. it's like I'm, I'm trying to read here and then there's this ad coming up in the middle yuck and, and they're animating and yet yeah, it's, it's so it's, distracting yeah it's a pretty bad place out there without yeah. an ad blocker it would be nice, like considering how much an ad blocker improves um, your your web browsing. I would like ad blockers for more places, like watching TV, walking around in the street. That's that what we need be. AR glasses yeah, for. Yeah. yeah, the straight one would be. I, good. I'm sure that's what they are intended for, <laughs> and not the, not not I mean, adding wait, ads. To wait for app uh, for Google's AR yeah. glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get yeah. Uh, content relevant ads. Cool. Yeah, good pick. All right, Zach. Okay. Uh, my pick this week is a fundraiser. It's probably been about a year Woo-hoo. since I did a very similar pick uh, for a fundraiser. So, at the moment, mum um, and I are raising money for type 1 diabetes research. Um, so, we'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, there's a walk next weekend, um, which 
we're doing in Sydney. They they do them all around Australia. Um, we're doing the Sydney one, and yeah, walking to raise money. Um, we've had some very nice, generous donations already. I've tweeted about it a couple of times already, uh, but did just want to mention it here as well. Um, it's obviously cause that uh, matters a lot to me as as somebody who's had type one diabetes for like eighteen years now or something. Um, so yeah, this is this is our sort of annual attempt to raise some money for JDRF, who do some awesome work into the research uh, for for both better management of type one diabetes and then also working towards a cure. Which uh, I mean, like not holding out hope for, but a lot of the other, other a lot of the other research they do for better management is um, super worthwhile as well. But then eventually, you know, one day we'll get a cure, and um, hopefully, a lot of this research helps with that as well. Um, so yeah, it's a great cause, very worthwhile, and yeah, that's my pick this week is the fundraiser itself, I suppose. Um, so yeah, if you have a spare few dollars to give, there will be a link in the show notes which you can uh, follow and uh, donate some money. And mm. at least if you're in Australia, it is also tax deductible at the <laughs> end of the next tax year. I don't know how that works if you're donating from overseas, but yeah, if you're in Australia, it'll be. Uh, I think all donations over like two dollars are tax deductible. So there's a, a small perk. Um, yeah. But this is not a tax advice show. This is a pointing towards fundraiser. That's show. right. That's right. So but you if you need that little nudge, taxes. you know, um, yeah, your your and, good uh, work now will reward you in ten months or something. <laughs> and if I mean, if anyone else listened to the Relay FM uh, fundraiser, they r- raised uh, three hundred fifteen thousand uh, dollars, and we want to at least double that. <laughs> so <laughs> should be easy, right? With all our listeners. So if you if you happen to have a extra six hundred thirty thousand to spare, <laughs> that would really help us uh, reach our goal. Mm, yep. Um, yeah, right. no, oh. that's, that's my pick. Yeah, cool, awesome. All right, I think it's a show. That is a show.